Welcome to the Rust Belt Rundown, brought to you by Rust Belt Recruiting. This podcast is designed to shine a light on the meaningful work being done in Northeast Ohio and the surrounding region. We will convene manufacturing executives and Northeast Ohio business leaders for candid discussions about their business, regional happenings, industry trends, entrepreneurship, and more. Now, let's get running on the rundown. Welcome, everyone, to episode 35 of the Rust Belt Rundown, a Rust Belt recruiting production. I'm your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Ashley Lawson. Ashley is the Vice President of Business Partnerships at Achieve Incentives and Meetings, which is a global meetings and travel incentive planning firm. Ashley, normally uh, we have people join us from Ohio, but please tell us where you are joining us from. Oh, yes. Well, I always say my heart is in Ohio, Ohio, but I am in a very remote town called Tilcara, and it's in northern Argentina, where I have been living for the past month. That's pretty amazing. We are definitely going to get back to your travels, but (laughs) before we do that... um... You've let's kind of jump into your career a little bit. You've worked for two major companies mm-hmm. throughout your career. Um, these companies mm-hmm. do radically different things. <laughs> so let's talk about the first one, uh, <laughs> yeah. Miriam's Kitchen. And um, let's tell us what Miriam's mm-hmm. Kitchen is. Yep. Uh, well, uh, at the root, as people would call Miriam's Kitchen a soup kitchen but I like to call it a super kitchen. It is a homeless services agency based in Washington, DC, focused on a huge radical idea that ending homelessness is possible. And as an organization, it has been around for over 30 years and working to support people experiencing homelessness with anything that they might need, whether it's fresh food, clothing, social work support, talking with a lawyer, talking with a psychologist or a psychiatrist, uh, really any kind of support services needed to assist somebody who's experiencing chronic homelessness. So that means they've likely been living on the street for a very long time and living with pretty severe um, challenges or mental health illnesses. And how did you get involved in that work to begin with? Yeah, well, I guess I could credit a lot of my time in Ohio with uh, wanting to get involved in nonprofit management. So um, I grew up in Avon Lake on the west side, and our volunteer key club was like the cool place to be a part of. And I was very, very involved all throughout high school in volunteering with Key Club and made my way up the ranks, if you want to say I was president. And I just, I loved volunteering. I loved working with different members of our community that needed different kinds of support. Um, I was raised by a single mom. So I was very, very grateful to have lots of support from friends and family who uh, you know, came came to my mom and I whenever we needed anything, and I really just always wanted to pay it forward. So when I went to college in North Carolina, the only thing that made sense to me was to study nonprofit management and business. And the, the business part was I, I grew up in a family-owned business, and, um, you know, I, I really wanted to continue to, home, you know, I, I grew up watching my grandparents and my mom and my aunts and uncles 
grow up or build this company in Cleveland as really one of the first of its kind. And, um, you know, all of the employees, they were, they were basically my aunts and uncles. And uh, I, I learned my ABCs, alphabetizing flight itineraries. So I, I grew up in an office and business was always part of my work ethic and acumen because of it. Uh, and I wanted to use business as a way to solve social issues. So I'm always curious with family-owned businesses in terms of how they continue to get everyone to work for them. And, and you took a nine-year, uh, let's say, gap before you began. Um, was it always the plan to work for them or did something change and, and you made that decision? How, how did that come about? It, it was never the plan. Uh, I think I saw... I wanted parts of the family business because I watched my family travel all around the world. And I, you know, my, my favorite thing was when my grandparents would come home from China or Australia or Singapore or London. I mean, they went everywhere. They were jet setters around the world. And my favorite thing is when they would come home and I would get to listen to their stories. It was like the best souvenir I could ask for. So growing up, I never, you know, presents weren't a thing with our family. It was the act of being present and the storytelling and the experiences that were always instilled in us as, as the greatest uh, souvenir or, or gift I could ever get. Um, so, you know, that was instilled in me and so was the love and passion for travel. So I could do that on my own, but growing up, I saw how hard they worked. And I always said, mom, I don't want to work that hard. <laughs> you guys never stop. Uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, being very involved in my volunteer work and social impact, I, I knew that was kind of where I wanted to focus. And, and that's why I moved to DC after college, which is kind of like the the mecca of nonprofits. <laughs> yes, definitely is the mecca of nonprofits. Mecca of a lot of things, <laughs> yeah, but definitely yeah. nonprofits. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so I, I will get to achieve incentives and meetings, but before that, um, you mentioned that obviously you have a passion, you know, passed down to you from your grandparents around travel. I, I mm -hmm. wanted to start with a quote from Anthony Bourdain, and the quote is, mm -hmm. travel changes you, as you move through this life and this world, you change things slightly. You leave marks behind, however small. And in return, life and travel leaves marks on you. I just saw your LinkedIn mm -hmm. post. You have been traveling for 500 days now with what mm -hmm. I believe, it, correct me if I'm wrong, is a backpack and your husband. Mm -hmm. Please yeah. tell <laughs> us all about this trip. How, what, how did this happen? How did this begin? How is it going? Mm -hmm. Tell us everything about this. So it's the craziest thing I've ever done. Um, so it, about six years ago, I decided to change careers and I left my work in nonprofit to move back home to Cleveland, Ohio um, to work with my family's company. And there were lots of reasons why, um, and we might get to that later, but lots of reasons I was excited to come home to Cleveland. And then about two and a half years in, the pandemic hit. And as a global events and travel company, it couldn't have hit any company worse. Uh, all we do is travel and host large scale events all around the globe. So it was our 68th year of business and it was terrifying. Um, it felt like there was going to be nothing left of this legacy that um, 
you know, is, is very dear to my heart. This is the company that my grandparents started 70 years ago now. And, you know, every client was coming to us saying, what do we do? Do we cancel? Can we postpone? How can we how can we host this and put our guests in danger? And, you know, for us, we, one of our values that achieve is travel the high road. Like we lead with integrity, no matter what. Um, and, you know, we weren't pushing our clients to move forward with any of their programs. We wanted them safe. Um, and it was really hard. You know, we were in this very challenging situation where clients were canceling. We had done work. It, it takes us about two years to plan events um, because there's just so many complexities that go into shipping and customs and everything to get people ready uh, for maybe a thousand people going to Austria or Italy. Um, so we'd been working for years in advance then within a moment, it just disappeared. And it was heartbreaking and terrifying. And I, I co-own the company with my family and we were doing anything we could to protect our employees, to make sure that we could, you know, continue this legacy, but there was just so much unknown. And we were getting call after call from clients saying, what do we do? What do we do? And as a planning firm, we, we planned. That's all we know is planning. And there was no plan. And it, it just felt like it was all going to come crashing down. And one of our clients reached out and asked if they if we could help them move their program back two years. And at the time, our hotel partner in Mexico said no. And <clears throat> this is a very important client. And I reached back to the hotel again. I said, can you please make an exception? Like, you know who we are. You know we're going to take care of this contract. We're going to make it happen. But we just need to move it back for safety. And they said no. And I just felt that I needed to go to Mexico. And it was, it was the only option to me. Like, it was the middle of the pandemic. It was the beginning of June 2020. Nobody was traveling. And I told the hotel, I will be there next week. It, to me, it was the only option that I had. I needed to salvage this contract. I needed to support our client. And I needed to keep our company alive. Um, so I booked my flight. Our air team booked, our, booked my flight. I lovingly call our air team Air Force One because they make miracles happen in the air. Um, how? How? What was the cost of that flight? <laughs> oh, I'd have to look it up. It was probably like thirty dollars because that was the only <laughs> one on the flight. <laughs> who? Who was on your airplane? There was nobody on my airplane, so I was terrified. There was no information about travel during the pandemic because nobody was traveling during the pandemic, especially at that early of a stage. Mm -hmm. So my husband decided to come with me and he's like, we're going to go together. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, I've, I've got to fix this. I've got to save the company. I've got to learn about what's happening and travel so I can share it. And I'm going to get COVID. I'm going to bring it back to Cleveland and I'm going to hurt people. Like that was what was in my mind. Um, but it felt like I didn't have a choice. So I researched all night. I didn't sleep the whole night before the flight. Um, but there was no information. So I got my hand sanitizer, my mask. Um, and I didn't know anything else other than that. So we went and there weren't even mask mandates at the time, but we wore them. <clears throat> and 
I got to Mexico and it was honestly, it was, it was a whole new world. There were so many safety practices and protocols happening that I wasn't seeing, um, in the States. And it was, it was actually really impressive. And I started sharing about it and people were so fascinated that, you know, at the airport, there's temperature checks when you got off the plane. And, um, when I gave our partners, our transportation partners, my luggage, they sprayed it down with sanitizer. And when you get to the hotel, they sprayed down the, um, the vehicle's wheels with sanitizer. Our industry of travel and events, hospitality, it was just devastated. It was, it was like doomsday every day as it was for a, a lot of our world, I know. Um, but it just kind of felt as the one thing I could do to help and the one way I could be a resource to our clients, to the, in, the event industry, but like anybody who had to fly somewhere who was terrified, what do you recommend for this? How do you get testing? Just because there was no information. Um, so it was, a great opportunity for me to share far and wide what the experience was like. And as my husband and I, you know, were thinking about our experience when we got back, it was kind of like, why don't I do more of this? Um, luckily, I, I am in a healthy position. Um, and I, you know, I did have fear around travel, but it was you know, an opportunity that I could serve in a different way. And honestly, I was, I was missing the service focus of my life from moving from nonprofit to uh, corporate. Uh, it, it just felt like it was time to try something new. So we did something crazy. We packed up everything. We sold just about everything we owned, gave away things, um, and left our apartment in downtown where we overlooked First Energy, uh, which was my favorite place I've ever lived. Um, and uh, December 19th, 2020, we had our backpacks and our computers and our passport and we set off. And my goal was to learn about the state of safety throughout the world, share it far and wide, prepare the meetings and event industry for how we can safely come back and all the really challenging, difficult parts of traveling and planning in a safe environment, which is sticky and hard and uncomfortable for, our, you know, in our position. Um, and we thought we, my husband and I thought we would be traveling for a year. And now it's 500 days later and we're still doing it. And we lived in, uh, last year, lived in 15 countries across five continents. Wow. Um, so that's a little bit about the, the wild ride I've been on. <laughs> so, so you guys sold your apartment. Did I hear that correctly? We moved out. We had a lease downtown. Moved out. Wow. Okay. So even yeah. when you come home, you have to find a new apartment. Luckily, my mom is still there. So okay. uh, we, whenever I come home, I, I stay with my mom. And then um, we're, we're figuring out what's next. We, we thought it would be a year of this uh, kind of nomad remote work lifestyle, but we haven't decided to end anytime soon. So we'll see. 
Well, I mean, look, if there's if there's one thing that uh, the pandemic has changed, it's everybody's relationship with work, right? And just the ability mm-hmm. to do it from almost anywhere. I think you've proved anywhere. Yeah. Um, so you're in Venice. What's yeah. what's next? How long are you there? Where are you going next? Do you know yet? Yeah. So last year was kind of like, let's fly by the seat of our pants and wherever there's Wi-Fi, we'll go. <laughs> Because um, I'm still working full time. I still lead our company and, and um, I'm involved with many event industry associations and boards. So uh, I lead a very full life uh, working on the road. Um, but next up, we're actually going to cap off our time in Argentina in Mendoza. And our 500th day of travel will be next week. And I will be having a delicious bottle of Malbec after work uh, celebrating there. And then we're going to come back to the States for a wedding. And then I am leading an event in Cancun and meeting a client in the Bahamas for a site inspection for a hotel for their upcoming incentive trip. And then I am heading to Europe. So... The real question is, do you, are you the leader in all travel incentive rewards points right now? And what do you fly one airline? Do you fly all airlines? I mean, you, you have to have a billion points. Uh, you know, I, I wish I had like millionaire status on every airline, but the truth is we really just go for what is the best deal. Um, and honestly, being in the travel and events industry during a pandemic uh, wasn't kind to the bottom line. So I am always looking for the best deal in travel. And, um, you know, we, when we set our plans to live around the world, we really wanted to see if it was possible to live within the same budget as Cleveland. So that's what we set our budget as the same, you know, our same budget as we were living downtown. Um, we went over a little bit last year, but we were close, I will say. Um, and that means that, you know, I'm, I am neighbors with all the locals. I'm not staying in nice hotels. I'm looking for Airbnbs that are, you know, that are within close to town so I can walk to the grocery store. If our Airbnb doesn't have a uh, a laundry, you know, washer and dryer, I can walk to drop off laundry. Um, so it's, it's a logistics, I'm kind of like a ninja, logistics ninja with our life. Um, so all that to say is I, I'm a budget friendly traveler. And uh, <laughs> one day, maybe I'll get in those big clubs. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's talk about what it is you guys actually do. So for those that are not aware, can you tell us what Achieve Incentives and Meetings is all about? Yeah. So we got our start in 1952. And we started initially as a travel agency, one of the first in Ohio, and then soon became one of the world's first incentive travel houses. And that's a lot of jargon for we plan really awesome events for companies to use basically as a reward for their top stakeholders. So companies come to us asking us to help them plan wild, beautiful, amazing trips around the world that they can use as a reward for their salespeople or their customers. And if you reach a certain quota throughout the year, you get to go on this all expenses paid group trip um, to Mexico or Hawaii or Italy, wherever it might be that they're interested in. So really using travel as the greatest, most powerful motivational tool. And 
so tell us about well first of all i want to use it i, I want to use you guys for uh, my company <laughs> um, I, I would love that <laughs> but tell us a few like success stories or maybe a company that came to you and was struggling with retention or you know loyalty and and like how this program turned that around for them you know yeah, um, actually, one of uh, a Cleveland-based client who I love, um, <clears throat> they were working to really motivate their sales teams. They were a pretty new company, and they really wanted to accelerate their sales and surpass the competition. So they added an incentive trip to their sales team, <clears throat> and it was a huge success. It was, you know, the top performers, I think they take for this group, they took the, I think, top 20% top performers on an all expenses paid trip, four night trip, somewhere beautiful. And it really accelerated their sales force uh, and their sales engine. And then something that we love when that it's often that companies are using incentive trips for their sales teams. But we often find that if companies really consider how to motivate across the board, it's a more impactful experience. Um, sometimes there, you know, there honestly can be a little tension, like how come these sales guys get all these awards? Like I'm doing all the delivery or the operations. So this client started a, uh, an additional award that anybody could be nominated for. It's called their kick-ass award. I love it. Uh, apologies if I'm not allowed to swear. Oh, you're good. <laughs> Uh, but they do a peer nominated award. So anybody who has kicked ass throughout the month, you get mo- you get nominated among your peers. And then a few of the kick ass winners get to join the trip as well. So it is motivating across the board and it is accelerating their entire sales engine as well. So yeah, that awesome. is a big one. Um, yeah, yeah. And That's we awesome. just hosted, they were actually our first program. We call incentive trips our programs. Um, I led, that was my first client program I led within the pandemic. So in 2021, we organized it and I was grateful that they trusted us to make sure that the protocols were in line. And, um, from an event planner perspective right now, there is no greater feeling than getting word from your, from your testing site that a hundred percent of your attendees are COVID negative. And so uh, that was, that was a huge win for us last year. And our team is actually on site right now in Scottsdale, Maui, Wailea Maui and St. Thomas leading incentive programs right now at this very moment. Wow. That's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm very happy to hear that you guys, have gotten out of uh, the beginning of the pandemic and you survived and you kind of pivoted and, and found a way because obviously, you know, restaurants and bars, you know, if, if they were number one in terms of being affected, I mean, travel had to be number two, if not vice versa. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you guys got through it. Uh, last question. And I think there can't be... Got? any guest that has will have a more unique answer than you because you've literally been to 30 countries in two years, (laughs) but it it will do it. We'll do it a two part way. So what has been your favorite meal in the last 18 months, 500 days or so? um, And in what country, where'd you eat it, all that good stuff. And then when you come back to Cleveland, what's the first meal that you're going to get? Oh, 
let me ask, let me answer the second question first, just because I'm so hungry um, for like normalcy. Uh, oh. I will say, <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry. I'm definitely starving for normalcy. Um, so I have on my list, like in Cleveland, the things that I want most right now are the chip dip from Moosehead in like the Bay Village Westlake border. Have you been to Moosehead? I have not, but I bet you uh, Taylor has. So I will ask him. Okay. Okay. So the chip dip in Moosehead. Um, I would do anything from, for some chicken paprikash right now. Mm, that okay. sounds delicious. Um, and even though I'm in, you know, like a Latino country, but, and you know, I got spoiled in Mexico because I had tacos all the time. But I will say, nothing beats a barrio taco. Wow. Um, in Mexico, they don't put cheese or sour cream on tacos. And I'm a cheese and sour cream fan. So um, I, I would do anything for a barrio taco and their cheese dip right now. Uh, and then Luca's downtown. I would always walk over there for happy hour for wine and pasta. Mm it's the best nice so those are those are my cleveland ones i would yeah and, I, and this sounds so basic but i'd do anything for a starbucks chai tea latte right now uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. i get that as an yeah as an event planner we exist on caffeine and coffee uh yep. very early days and late night um and then in terms of what i have had okay this is going to be probably an unpopular thing to say but I, I say that I, I am live in La Vida local. So I do as the locals do. And I love that because I really get to know about the customs and traditions and history about everything, wherever I am. And I live and love and learn like a local. And I'm sorry for listeners who will be upset about this, but the most popular dish on any menu in every restaurant in Northern Argentina is llama. Wow, really? It is, yeah. And I couldn't, I, I've been in Argentina really since December. So I've been here, I've, I started after I did 15 countries in one year, I, I moved to the slow travel <laughs> movement. Okay. Um, and it took me about a month to order it. And I, I just got an empanada. So in Northern Argentina, empanadas are everything. Okay. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, empanadas. So I, I went small scale and I tried the llama empanada and I have to say it was good. Wow. I feel bad saying that, but it was good. And I only did it once because I think they're adorable and I just, I don't want to do it again. Um, but it was good. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I, I didn't see that one coming. That's what I said. I thought you were going to have the best answer to this question of any guests we've ever had. And I think you do. <laughs> I think you do. And, um, yeah. I feel, I feel bad saying it, but it's, I, you know, I want to be honest. So. And I'm living like a local. So. Yep, <laughs> so living local. like a local. You definitely are. Um, okay. Last thing yeah. before you get out of here is uh, where can everybody find you and, and learn more about uh, the business, the company? Oh, yeah. Um, so if anybody's interested in using travel as a tool, bring your teams together. Um, one of the things that I really am grateful for about kind of the bittersweetness of the pandemic is that we're looking at travel in a brand new way. And we're looking for purposeful, meaningful, impactful experiences, not just as, you know, somebody going on a family vacation or a solo trip, but for our offices and our teams, like we're really looking 
for our employers to build more meaning and purpose into the workplace. And one of the most important and special ways to do that is through travel. So I'm loving that we're getting a lot of companies reaching out to us, wanting to bring their teams together or bring their remote teams together even for the first time. So if you want to learn more about what we do and how we can support you, check out achieveincentives.com. And if you want to follow along my live in love, eat a local journey, you can find me on LinkedIn at Ashley Lawson or on Instagram at Ashley Rose on the road. Awesome. Well, Ashley, listen, this was great. Um, keep living like a local. It's the best way to do it. Enjoy Thank the rest you. of your time uh, in Venezuela and, and good luck uh, to wherever is next. We'll, we'll be, we'll be watching. We'll be uh, keeping track. Okay, great. I'll be home soon. And I hope Barrio still uh, has that delicious cheese dip. <laughs> they, yes, I, I believe they definitely do. So uh, yeah, okay. next time we're up in Cleveland and you're there, we'll get some tacos. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. Thank you again, Ashley. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.